You're listening to a podcast from Reality Honolulu. For more information or ways to get involved in the life of the church, visit realityhonolulu.com. Thanks for listening. Aloha and welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on this Sunday for our digital house church. And uh, my name is Riz. I'm the pastor here at Reality. So glad that you would join us, whether this is like your hundredth time um, being at a service uh, or the last five months or the first time. We're just glad that you would join us. And I will say that I did film this on Friday, so not really sure how bad the storm is if you're watching this on Sunday right now. Um, I'm praying that it passed without harm, but if not, uh, we're praying for just the safety and well-being of everyone here in Hawaii, and just thankful that in the midst of this literal storm or this season that is a storm, um, that God is with us and that he's going to carry us. Um, But in that, please don't hesitate to reach out if you are in need or need anything at all. And as a church, uh, I hope that you know that that is what we've tried to do this season. Um, Looking at the book of Acts, as we've studied it, that there would be no need among us. Um, The book of Acts shows the early church and their radical generosity for those in need. And... Um, They loved each other, cared for each other, sold possessions to give their money to those in need. Um, And it was really radical. And they wanted to make sure that no one fell through the cracks and no one was in need. And so they did that. And so we as a church, Reality Honolulu, we want to know if you're in need. I know that's hard and can be vulnerable to ask for money or food or supplies or to pay your bills. But like we want to know because we believe that we're a family and a church that cares about you and um, wants to have God use our resources to bless you. And um, I'm just so grateful that that is what's been happening, Um, that you feel comfortable, that you've been talking with those that you know or your Ahana groups to share needs so they can pray for you or just help you, you know, like there's so much going on, whether it's spiritual, emotional, mental, we want to be able to like pray for you and get you help. Um, But also you have been so gracious and um, with, with generosity when it comes to giving. You know, even with your tithes and offerings to us as a church, we've been able to do that. We've been able to help people in need, those in the church, in our community. And uh, even this last week, we were able to give thousands of dollars to those in our church, in our community, um, part of the family that, that need needed it. And it's because of your guys' continued generosity in just like giving of yourself to see the kingdom of God go forward. And uh, so thankful. If you want to know more information about that, you can always go to our give page on realityhonolulu.com to see how you can plug in and be a part of that. But church, so thankful for you. And even despite all that is happening, Um, All the hardship, all the job loss, all the pain, all the death, all the disease, everything that's happening. Um, Despite all of it, from the very get-go, I believe that God wants to do a beautiful and new thing in this season in us. And we're praying that in. um, But 
without further ado, we're going to get into the Word of God as we always do. And so if you have a Bible, I'd love for you to join with reading it. So such a good practice to actually crack open your Bible, get into it, know it, and read it yourself so you know I'm not making this stuff up and you can allow God to speak to you. But Acts 9, 1 through 19 is our text today. And if you remember, we're going through it verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and we are allowing God's word to speak to us. And we are in the book of Acts and the story of Acts. We see the Holy Spirit fall upon the church for the very first time after Jesus ascended to heaven. And these men and women that are super flawed and normal and ordinary are now empowered by the Spirit of God and they're preaching sermons and they're loving people and they're um, seeing people healed and uh, miraculous supernatural things are happening and Jesus is being glorified and it's pretty radical. Thousands are being added to the church. The church is growing. But in that, there's a lot of uh, stuff, specifically persecution that's happening. And so I'll stop right there. We'll read the text and we'll jump a little bit deeper in. But Acts 9, 1 through 19 says this. Meanwhile, Saul was breathing murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus. So that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and he heard the voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could not see anything. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind, and he did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and he entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell off from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. After taking some, some food, he regained his strength. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, we thank you that in the midst of the storms of our life, 
in the literal storm as we have here now in Hawaii, that you are with us. God, we thank you for your word. We believe that your word is living and active. Holy Spirit, would you speak through it to us this morning? And God, we thank you that today we get to see an example of your amazing grace. Thank you that each of us that are, that are Christians have firsthand experience of, of, of experiencing your grace as well. And God, I pray that we would well up with gratitude as we read your word and are reminded of how your grace, your undeserved grace, saved us. And thank you that that grace that was showed upon the cross is for the whole world. Holy Spirit, would you speak to us today through your word? pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as you may know, the same person in our text today, Saul, he would go on and take the new name of Paul and become Paul the Apostle. What we see here is the conversion experience from Saul of Tarsus to Paul the Apostle. But years later, Paul would write a letter to the church in Rome. And he was writing, and as he was writing this letter, he was looking around at the dynamics of the world and the fallenness of it. And he looked around at the devastating effects that sin had caused, the destruction way far off from what God intended it to be. And he would describe it in that letter in chapter 8, Romans 8, 22, as the earth groaning, or specifically he says that creation is groaning. And what he meant by that, as he looked around and he saw this brokenness, is that God's perfect, sinless plan for creation was now filled with pain and grief and heartbreak and anger and division and distortion and all kinds of evil. And obviously Paul's point in that letter is that the world in the midst of that needed to see and hear the gospel of Jesus Christ through the words, actions, and lifestyle of Christians and the church. But Paul looking around, knew and preached, is that the world needed redemption, restoration, and renewal through Christ. And despite that letter to that church in Rome being written 2,000 years ago in a very different culture, different context, and with unique issues, the reality of creation groaning is ever-present today. I mean, just look at this year. Look at 2020. What 2020 has been, it's been a snapshot into the underbelly of the effects of sin in the world. And really, all that's wrong and opposite of how God intended it. Right? Disease, sickness, death, racism, injustice, sex trafficking. I mean, the list goes on. All the causes of these things, the effects, and the pain, and the hardship, and the heartbreak that comes from all of this is really symptoms 
of creation that has sinned and departed from Christ. And even for us that are living in America, the politics, the election, the divisive nature on top of all of this can be absolutely overwhelming and devastating and even hard to try and process. And if there's ever a time to admit that the whole world is broken, it's now. And we have to admit when we see all of this that creation is groaning. And all of this brokenness that we see, the disease and the death and inequality and injustice and pain and hurt and heartbreak, it's not as God intended it. This is not a part of God's design. When we look back to the beginning pages of Scripture, to the book of Genesis in the garden, we get a picture of how God meant it to be. When we look forward to the last few pages of Scripture in the book of Revelation, we get a picture of what to hope for, what God intends and is going to do. And what we see right now does not line up with that. There's lots of work to do. We are far away from God, how God intended this world to be like. And as, as much as I hope that we can see that and admit that, how bad things are, I hope that we can acknowledge and know and admit that if there's ever a time that the world needs God to come and Christ to intervene, it's now. Like if there's ever a time where we're going to say, Hosanna, come, save us now. It's, it's 2020. It's right now. In the midst of a really bleak and dark time, <coughs> excuse me, what creation is in desperate need of is for a powerful demonstration of the love, mercy, and grace of God. But you see, the world doesn't deserve that. We don't deserve the love, grace, and mercy of God. See, it's our own rebellion, it's our own disobedience that's caused this brokenness in the first place. But if you know anything of our God, a main core aspect of who the God of the Bible is, is that he is a God that gives creation what they do not deserve. The God of the Bible is in the business of giving people what they don't deserve. This is called grace. Grace, by definition, is receiving a gift that you have not earned and that you do not deserve. And the culmination, the pinnacle of God's grace to the world is when he gave his son Jesus to die upon a cross for sinners. In that same letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to that church in Rome, he spoke about this. Romans 5.8, he says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
Not when we earned it, not when we were good, not when we loved him, when we were in sin, when we were in rebellion and disobedience, when we were enemies to God, that's when God's grace came. What we need, what the world needs in the midst of a really bleak and dark time is a powerful demonstration of the love, mercy, and grace of With all that's going on, how hard it is, how burdensome it is, I want us to take heart today that God delights in doing this very thing when we need it most. When we need it most, He shows up and He extends undeserved grace. And one of the most significant examples of this is what we see today in our text with the conversion of Paul. You see, Acts chapter 6, 7, and 8 has been a really bleak time in the church. If you remember, we got a picture into the church in Acts 6. And despite them being saved... There was real brokenness that was being revealed and sin was affecting how they treated each other and inequality and unfair treatment of others was coming out. They had some work to do. They had some things to change. And outside of the church, there was also harsh, harsh persecution that was happening. There was arrest, there was trials, there was beatings, and it ultimately ended up with Stephen being killed as the first martyr of the Christian faith. Religious persecution led to the scattering of the church outside of Jerusalem. They were spread out. They weren't all together. Things were disrupted. This was a really heavy and a really trying time. And even worse, in our text today, we're reminded that Saul of Tarsus, soon to be Paul, is leading the charge. He's the, the chief persecutor. He is violently hunting down Christians and carrying out religious persecution. And his aim, his intention, is to extinguish any trace of the followers of Jesus. It's really evil. And this isn't the first time we've seen him. We've seen him a few times over the last couple chapters. The first time was at the end of Acts 7, as Stephen was being stoned, Saul was there watching. At the beginning of Acts 8, verse 1, it says that Saul approved of the killing of Stephen. The third time was a few verses later in verse 3 of chapter 8. Paul was going, it says that Paul was going house to house with the intent to destroy the church. But he failed to end it in Jerusalem. And now because of persecution, believers were scattered. We see here in the text today that a pocket of Messianic Jews, Jews that believed that Jesus was the Messiah, had moved 150 miles north to Damascus, Syria. And what happens is that Paul gets the high priest's authority to go essentially round up all the Christians and bring them back to Jerusalem. This is like kind of like a modern day extradition order. And as you can see, things are really bad. Christians are being hunted. The church's existence is being threatened. 
So Paul goes up to Damascus to end it. And on Paul's way, on the road to Damascus, he encounters Jesus. One of the most remarkable stories and conversion experiences in the Bible. This Christian killer turns into a Jesus follower. Even the way that he's encountered by Jesus, Jesus says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It wasn't Saul who he was persecuting. He was persecuting the church. But Jesus was like, I'm one with the church. It's the bride of Christ. Those are my people. You mess with them, you mess with me. What happens is they have this dialogue. God stops Paul in his tracks. He actually temporarily blinds him. And Paul, for about three days, he's fasting and he's praying sitting in a home, thinking about, dwelling about what's happened, who God is, and what God just said to him on this road. What we see is that Paul is converted in this time. He, he, he gives his life over. And the story goes on with his vision to this disciple, Ananias, one of the believers in Damascus. And the Lord says, Ananias, Saul's here. I'm going to use him. Go get him, lay your hands on him. And he's like, whoa, 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 Saul, I know about him. I've heard about him. I know why he's here. I'm not going to go do that. And the Lord reassures him. And so Ananias goes in, lays his hands on Paul. Scales, like scales fall off Paul's eye. He sees, he's baptized. He's a follower of Christ now. And we're going to see next week the profound effect of this newfound life in Christ. And all of that entails and the journey that Paul begins as not a persecutor, but a follower of Jesus now. But the absolute salient point to this story is that God's grace interjected and stopped Paul in his tracks. On that road, on that day, God stopped Paul. And he showed him his grace. And the reason why I say that is Paul was the last one who deserved to be saved. Right? He's the last one who deserved to be extended mercy or grace or forgiveness. He's the last one that earned any of that. And later on, Paul would even call himself the chief of sinners. But God extended grace, undeserved grace, this undeserved grace that would forgive him and save him. And if you're listening to this and you're wondering, can God forgive me for what I'm done, what I've done? You don't know my life and what I've done. How could God ever forgive me? The answer is yes, he can. Look no further. If God extended mercy, grace, forgiveness to Paul, he will to you and he will to anyone. God is in the business of extending undeserved grace to people, despite what they've done. And what this is in Acts chapter 9 is a profound and a radical display of God's grace in the midst of incredible pain and persecution. And if you're listening to this, 
I don't know about you, but this is the cry of my heart. When I look at the world around us and humanity's brokenness, the cry of my heart is, God, intervene. Come. In the same way that you intervened with Paul on the road to Damascus and showed him grace to the worst of the worst, intervene in our world right now. We need you. We need you. Right, God, we don't deserve you to show up right now, but by your mercy and your grace, we need you. Church, this is the very reason we pray. Guys, we have carved out dedicated time in our church to pray these things in. Every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. via Zoom, we have a prayer meeting. And it's not just to have it, to have it. It's so that we as the church can pray that the world would experience the love, mercy, and grace of God in the same way that Paul did, that the world would. So we ask and we seek and we cry out, Hosanna, save. Church, let's give ourselves to prayer. Let's give ourselves for asking to ask God for these things. The world would see and experience the love of God in the person of Jesus Christ and what he did upon the cross. That while we were yet sinners, while everything wasn't right, that's when God came and showed up. That's my prayer. Let that be our prayer. And as we enter into this time of worship now, let's exalt our God. Let's lift up his name above every name. With our family, as the storm is raging around us, literally and figuratively, let's praise our God because he's good and he's worthy to be praised. Amen? Amen. God, we thank you for your grace. We thank you that we don't deserve your love and your mercy, but you gave it to us anyway. Pray that you would well up gratefulness in our heart. And for those that are listening to this that do not know you, in the quietness of their homes, where they're at, I pray that they would surrender and receive your grace. They would surrender their own will and their own way of doing life. And then they would say, God, I want you and I need you. They would receive you today. Would you be exalted in our homes? We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.